Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. We want to welcome you to the worship services of the Homerville Church of Christ. This is the last night of our gospel meeting with Ryan Tootin. We've had a great week. Hope you'll go back and look at the, listen to the other lessons that we've had this week. A very encouraging study about renewing our passion. We're going to begin in about six minutes, and so uh, we'll be with you just then. If you're listening in the archives, you can fast forward about five minutes now, and we'll be, should be right there with you.
Number 730. 730. We'll sing it first and last time. He took my burdens all away up to a brighter day. He gave me a song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song I now can sing. In my heart, joy bells ring. He gave me a song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song. He gave me a song to sing about.
that consider themselves to be followers of Jesus. But yet I believe they will be stunned to find out on the day of judgment that God does not even recognize them. In Matthew chapter 7, listen to the words of Jesus that's recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven, and many will say unto me, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works? Believe come judgment day, there will be many who claim to be Christians. There will be many who will be professing to be followers of Christ. And they will stand there as God pronounced Depart from me. I never knew. You just assume that you are a follower of Christ. I pray that this sermon tonight will confirm that confidence that you have. Or it will convict you to reevaluate your relationship with Jesus and reaffirm your commitment to follow. Renewing my passion. I find it interesting that one of the biggest marketing strategies or techniques, if you will, today of many of these great companies. As a matter of fact, companies will spend literally millions of dollars. They'll go to great lengths to formulate and design the perfect slogan for their company. They will try to find that specific phrase or, or item or, or symbol that will, if you will, identify who they are and what they're about. I find it interesting that as you look at some of these slogans, if you will, many times the name of their product is never even mentioned. As a matter of fact, immediately though, you know what they are. I'll say these words in your mind, think what it is. They melt in your mouth, not in your hands. We just do the work so you don't have to. Just do it. If it's going and going and going, you're in good hands. I'm loving it. See these slogans, and what's interesting is many times probably as you heard the words that I just said, immediately those thoughts came to your mind. And it's interesting that we hear those phrases, and within those phrases many times the, the very item that that slogan represents is not even mentioned. But also what I find interesting is the amount of money that these large companies spend in creating, if you will, a symbol that identifies their product. For example, if you saw the Allstate hands, you don't have to see the word Allstate. You know that it's Allstate. You see the golden arches, you don't have to know and see a sign that says McDonald's. You know that it's McDonald's. And, and you see that check mark. You know that it's Nike. And, and so it doesn't even have to say the word to know what it is. You don't even have to, to hear any word to know what it is. So I find it interesting of the millions of dollars that are spent to make that perfect slogan. So with that in mind, I want to ask you a question as I was putting this together. And what is the slogan of your life? What is the slogan of Christianity? And what would you say the symbol of that would be? Tonight, as we conclude our thoughts on this week of renewing our passion, I want us to talk about renewing our passion for the cross. It's not going to be a lesson probably like you've thought about the cross before. Many times, we talk about the cross as the song that we just sang, the old rugged cross. When I survey the cross, we begin our minds reflect back immediately to the hill of Calvary as Jesus was crucified and he hung there and he shed that blood. And no doubt those lessons are so important. And we look at those things and we see the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. But tonight, we'll kind of touch that. But it's really about your cross. It's about your slogan. I find it interesting that I think a good slogan for the church today would be simply come and die. What slogan, I mean, what symbol would this represent us? Would it not be the cross? Slogan of the Christian life sounds like something out of a horror film, doesn't it? It's not very appealing. As a matter of fact, someone once said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And when we consider that symbol, that, that cross, it's really not very appealing. As a matter of fact, the cross, as you well know, was an instrument of torture. 
It was an instrumental death. And so when we think about Christianity and we think about the appealing nature of Christianity, surely we would come up with a different symbol to represent who we are. Maybe a dove that would represent peace. Maybe a rainbow that would represent hope. Maybe a shepherd's staff that would represent protection. Maybe something else but the cross. Consider just for a moment, if you will, the cross. For the most part, we try to make it appealing, do we not? Most part, we will put it on our, our, our steeples, on our Bible covers, uh, maybe on the, the trays of the Lord's Supper, or, or maybe we'll wear it as a jewelry. We'll, we'll coat it with gold or with silver, and we'll make jewelry out of it, or, or we'll make it into a stained glass or, or something of that nature. So we try to make it appealing. But what about the person? What did the cross mean to them? Those that heard the words of Jesus say that we're going to study tonight, need to stick up your cross. It meant something different to them. No doubt at a time of the ministry of Christ, it was a means of brutality. It was repulsive. It means of execution that the Romans would come by and they would force a submission. History tells us that sometimes that the Romans would literally crucify literally thousands, up to 2,000 people at a time. Streets would literally be lined with crosses with bodies hanging upon them. Jesus was telling people to take up the cross. They were showing us, this is what happens to you when you oppose the Roman government. This is what happens to you when you violate the law of Rome. These are the things that they tell us. They would see those crosses on the hills, in the streets, all over the place. And Jesus says, I want you to pick up the cross. The word that Jesus spoke that day meant something I believe totally different to them than it does to us, but it shouldn't. So tonight what I'd like to see and get a better understanding is in view of the context of what Jesus says, what does it mean? to renew my passion for the cross. So with that in mind, I invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, as we would use this as our text for study this evening. In Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, Jesus simply says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. What is it that we can learn about the cross? What is it that can help us renew the passion that we have for Jesus to get us into a relationship that's not just about knowledge, but about intimacy. It's more than just knowing about God, but it's about understanding who He is and my relationship to Him. The understanding of what He said in this time. For example, when we think about the cross, we need to understand it was a symbol of humiliation. During the time of Christ, no doubt we realize and understand that there was a much easier and cheaper way to execute people. No doubt that they could be stoned, they could be beheaded, they could use swords, they could use fire. There was a lot of ways that people could be executed that would be a lot easier and cheaper. You see, when someone would be crucified, it would take at least four soldiers and a centurion. It was a big deal. It was difficult. It was expensive. Then why in the world would you use a crucifixion? It was to completely humiliate a person. It was to show the world that this person was nothing compared to the power of one. You are nothing. And they would demonstrate that through these crucifixions as people would see. Read the Bible how Jesus too was humiliated. How he was stripped. How he was beaten. So I want you to notice his attitude and the attitude that we should have. Remember what Paul writes to the Philippians. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Thought it not to be robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of me. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Not just death, even the death of the cross. Jesus made himself nothing. He emptied himself to be like us. Picture that in your mind. Jesus, the creator of the world, God, the Savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, emptied himself and became nothing, humbled himself, obedient unto death. This is the death of the 
the most humiliating death ever. And we claim to be followers of Jesus. Is that the attitude that we possess? An attitude of humility? Because here's my point. One of the points that we've tried to make throughout this week, it's not about me. We've got to start taking the focus off of ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about whether I get praised or I get my way or everything happens because it's the way I want it. But it's all about him. When Jesus was telling those people, pick up your cross, he was telling them that what they were doing was not about him. It was about humbling yourself. James says, humble yourselves inside of me. He will lift you up. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he shall humble himself, shall be exalted. See, the cross to us is something different. To them, it was complete humiliation. Number two, the cross is also a symbol of suffering. The Romans truly knew how to make their victims suffer. They would strip the individual. Many times tying their hands to a post to the point that their skin would be pulled tight. So that they could begin to severely beat that individual with the scourging instrument, that instrument that basically was, if you will, about 18 inches long and with the braided straps on many occasions at the end. And within those braided straps, they would place things like pottery or, or, or lead or, or, or whatever they could find to weave within those braids so as it went across the victim's back. It would literally just lacerate the skin. They were very good at what they did. They had mastered this technique. They would beat a person unmercifully almost to death, but not to death, because they wanted them to carry their cross. They would make that individual carry their cross, the piece of wood, many times weighing anywhere between 100 and 125 pounds, placed upon their shoulders. Many times with exposed bones or, 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 or muscles being ripped open, place upon their back. They were to carry their cross to the place of execution. What's the application of that for us? Why would Jesus look in his ministry and he looked to the crowd and he said, take up your cross. What are you saying, Jesus? When I see this, this humiliation, they're wanting everybody to know that you're nothing in the eyes of them. Look at the power that Rome has. You're telling us the suffering that someone goes through. Why would you say this? It's interesting that Jesus spoke these words to them before he carried his own cross, the literal cross, of the hill of Calvary. Carrying our cross can be difficult, even painful sometimes. Causing us to suffer. I read passages like the one that we're studying tonight, and I ask myself, Am I carrying my cross? Because, friends, I'm going to ask myself this question, and it has humbled me. When's the last time carrying my cross has ever cost me? You see, the cross was a symbol of suffering. When's the last time me following Jesus ever cost me anything? When's the last time that I've lost a friend because I'm a Christian? When's the last time I lost a job because I'm a Christian? When's the last time that you were mocked or did not get a promotion or that you were laughed at because you was a follower of Jesus? I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying as I evaluate my own life, I realize, and Jesus says, right, pick up your cross daily and follow me, and I examine myself, and I'm looking at the symbol of the cross and the humiliation and the suffering, and I say, what have I suffered? What has it ever cost me? If following Jesus never cost us anything, we may be on the wrong path. Being a follower of Jesus, friends, should be that. Should be that which is true. The cross is a symbol of suffering for those that heard Jesus speak those words. They were immediately reminded of the suffering that the cross would bring. Too many of us today read this verse. We accept the challenge. Okay, pick up the cross and follow me. Got it. Let's move on. But we don't even understand what it means. How do I know that we don't understand what it means? Because our lives reflect it. As a matter of fact, too many people who call themselves Christians or followers, as soon as they are faced with just a bump in the road, as soon as they're faced with adversity, as soon as they're faced with a little bit of tribulation or anything that doesn't go just right in their life, they blame God. 
They turn around and they leave God, fall away, walk away, and then point their finger in the face of God and say, why did you do that to me? And it's all right, we accept the challenge to pick up your cross and follow me, but when the adversity does come, the suffering comes, we bet it. We don't even understand what it means. So tired of hearing members of the church. We just give up. When they give up so many times, it's all personal. Well, I didn't like the decision that the elders made. I, I didn't like the, the, the sermon the preacher preached on. I don't think we should do this. I don't think we should do that. I don't like the way they did something. And you get your feelings hurt, and then you blame God, you turn away, and you walk away. Friends, it's not about it. We cannot give up or give in the cause of the simple stuff. If our relationship with God never costs us anything, if it never makes us uncomfortable, we need to ask ourselves if we really need to follow Jesus. And you know, I talk to my friends about Jesus, but if I do, Man, you're talking about uncomfortable. If I talk to my boss at work about Jesus, I may lose my job. If I talk about Jesus at school, kids are going to make fun of me. If I talk about Jesus in, in my neighborhood, they're going to isolate me. They're going to have anything to do with me. And so instead of feeling uncomfortable, instead of having any suffering, go about our business. Nothing ever happens. See, this is what we're talking about renewing our passion. And so we can understand what the cross is in our life. How are we going to renew our passion for Jesus? Finally, the cross is a symbol of death. Jesus invites his followers again to come and die. Die to your pleasures, your desires, your pursuits. Die to your plans. Everything's going to change. You, you see, you're making a commitment. Pick up your cross and follow me daily. You've got to understand what that means. That means there's going to be some humiliation, there's going to be some suffering, and there has to be a death. You make the decision to follow Christ, and that's the end of us. Carrying the cross meant one thing in the day of Jesus, death. Now, here's the challenge. We talk about death. We talk about suffering. We talk about humiliation. How in the world do we make Christianity appealing to anybody? Because you may be in the audience tonight, and you may be saying, well, you know, I, I've never really heard the gospel, or I've never really uh, read this verse and studied this verse. And so what you're saying is that you want me to give up the pretty comfortable life that I have, and you want me to come in there and be humiliated and suffer and die? You want me? What appeal is that? How that? Why would I want that? Maybe there's others in the audience who say, well, I've never thought about that verse this way. I've never thought about my relationship with God. Friends, I realize sometimes sermons are tough. I, when I was writing these sermons and kind of put them together, it, it was a challenge to myself. But don't leave me here. Stay with me for just a few minutes. Because you cannot forget that dying is part of Christian growth. Paul said, I died there. You read 1 Corinthians 15, he goes, I die daily. And I can't help but to think maybe Paul was thinking about Luke 9. When Jesus says, Stick up your cross daily, die daily. Maybe, maybe in Paul's mind, he was thinking about that challenge that God has given unto him. And so, how do we make this passage that we're studying tonight, how do you make it appealing? Well, you look at verse 24. Whosoever will save his life, shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Friends, that's what makes Christianity a right? Because in dying, we gain. First Corinthians 1, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, if the cross is the power of God. People who aren't Christians can't understand what the cross means. It's foolish to them. Why would anyone want to take up something that's repulsive? That's an instrument of torture and brutality. Make it personal. What is our view of the cross? You see, to the world, the cross represents defeat. To the Christian, it represents victory. <coughs> to the world, the cross represents guilt. To the follower of Christ, it represents grace. 
To the world, the cross represents condemnation. To the follower, is, follower is an image of freedom. To the world, the cross represents pain and suffering. To the follower, it's an image of healing and hope. To the world, the cross represents death. Follower is an image of love. See, to the world, the cross may not be very attractive. But it's beautiful. You're in a relationship with God. Dying to Christ, we gain victory. We discover that true life is all that we want. And that's what makes the cross appeal. So for those that are here that may be struggling with the acceptance of what Jesus says, to pick up your cross, just remember, it's not about a defeat. It's about a victory. Taking up your cross, letting everyone, especially ourselves, know that I am crucified with Christ. Everybody says, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You see, it's not about me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. I am crucified with Christ. Death to the self is not a suggestion. It's not something that you do one time. It's not something that's like, well, I obeyed the gospel and I crucified that old man and I put him to death and so I'm done with that process. No. It's an activity. It's a major process to become able to follow him. And again, Paul said, I died daily. One of the easiest ways to understand how we expect to die daily is found in Romans chapter 12. I'm not sure if you the Bible there. Again, noticing that it's not just some kind of option that we have but it's about being a disciple. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and accept and perfect will of God. Have you made yourself a living Dying daily. Putting yourself up on the altar of God. You see, we don't even think of it that way any longer. Remember when you take up the cross, when you die, things have to change. Leaders have, there's been another so-called Christian that's truly died. I believe, again, the slogan for the follower of Christ can easily be and accurately be captured by the simple slogan, come and die. Does it sound very appealing? Therefore, a decision to follow Jesus is a decision to die to self. You see, people who are dead, I don't care what other people think about them. People who are dead, they're not concerned about how nice their clothes are. People who are dead are caught up with how much money was in their account. The point of death is an ultimate surrender of yourself and all that you have. When you're dead, you're no longer concerned with life. Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus says, Take up your cross, die daily. Dying to ourselves is not some one-time decision. It's a daily decision. How do you die to your Lord? Complete surrender. Complete obedience. You'll make the decision tonight if you never have Come and die. To completely surrender yourself through complete obedience and say, you know what? It's not about it. It's about God. I want to completely surrender my will. Because so many times we get so called up in this church movement type thing that we, we get this, we, we've lost focus of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not just about coming in and punching our card on Sunday. Not, you know, I gave a contribution. It's not, well, I call a class, or I'm an elder, or I'm a preacher. It's not even about that. Jesus looked at those, and he says, pick up your cross. Get something to do. They saw those crosses. They saw the humiliation. They saw the suffering. They saw the death. When that person made a decision to follow Jesus, they knew what they were getting into today. I'm afraid that we don't. That we haphazardly just step into this thing and when the bump comes, we want to blame God or jump on. 
don't know where you are tonight, but I want to encourage you that you never just die to self, that you'll come tonight. You'll repent of your sins. Confess Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and bear him. Crucify him. Bury him to be resurrected. And from that point, continue to crucify him. Put it to death. To be a living sacrifice. To put your body on the altar of God. Maybe you considered yourself a religious person, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I go back to where we started in Matthew chapter 7. And those that stand there before Jesus on that day are the judgment of God, and he says, depart from me. And then, well, Lord, look at all that we've done. We've done this and this and this. Every day. I hope that in your heart is a true passion for Jesus. Got seen in your life, and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Thank you to come tonight. To give your life wholeheartedly to Him and the obedience to the gospel and repentance of your sins. Please come together. We stand and ask. To the Father Jesus,
sermon and to uh, use that in, for you or for others, and we hope that that will be a benefit to you. did want to mention, before we lose the opportunity, because I'm going to send it back if no one wants it, got the volume one of Voices from the Past, which is by Sane Publications and uh, Cooperation with the Gospel Broadcasting Network. This is a 14 DVD set that was accidentally sent to me. Um, but you have folks like Perry Coffin, Winford Park, Guy Woods, Franklin Camp, Hugo McCord, D.P. Black, Johnny Ramsey, and a few others, uh, their sermons. And if you're interested in that, see me, and I can get you this one and let you know how much you need to send to them. Or if you if we run out, I can get your information and get you in, in touch with them for that. There's a meeting starting Sunday at Richmond Hill with Mark Reynolds. And there's a singing, and the flyer is right over there, and I can't see it from here. Maybe the better eyes or a closer uh, thing, but there's things coming up in October, uh, 16th, okay, and uh, at Dawson Road in Albany. And so if you're able to be there, I know it would be a good time for, for uh, a fellowship and singing. Is there anything else that needs to be mentioned? All right, again, we have food next door. If you're able to stay, we'd love to have you stay with us. If not, good to see you. If so, good to see you. And uh, have a safe journey home, and hope the Lord will continue to bless you and your efforts in his kingdom. Number 46. We'll sing all
spirits and good ways and help us to be evangelistic so we can find souls that are uh, have that good and honest heart, heart to obey your will. We are so thankful for Jesus and what he did on the cross for our sins. And for his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.